You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Hi, everybody. I almost said hello, bad movie lovers, but that's a different show. However, I'm still your host, Nick Scheist, and thanks for joining me again. We're going to do another edition of This Week at the Movies. I was out of town for work, so I did not have my usual time to set this up. That said, I still feel like I got a decent amount of coverage, and so we're going to roll it back all the way to Sunday, January 14th through Saturday the 20th for This Week at the Movies. All right, everybody, let's get started. I am still playing catch up with a lot of movies from 2023 that I feel like I needed to see in order to really have a full scope for the Shyst Awards, which are coming soon. And they're probably going to be here sooner than I usually do them because I feel like I'm more prepared this time. But one of those is Passages. Uh, it's unrated. But this is a film from Ira Sachs, written by Mauricio Zacharias, Ira Sachs, and Arlet Langman, starring Franz Rogowski, Ben Wishaw, and Adele Exarchopoulos. And this film is about a, a gay couple whose marriage is in crisis and sort of has been for a while, but we're catching them on sort of the tail end of that spiral as they are both sort of looking for love elsewhere and then fighting about fighting and how much effort they want to put into keeping their marriage together. And this definitely feels like a film from a different era. You know, the way it starts in a nightclub with uh, Franz Rogowski's character making a film directing his characters to behave a certain way and then sort of all of the emotions that spiral out of that as we also get uh, Adele's character Agath she is unhappy in her own relationship as well and she has struck up something of a attraction or some sort of bond with Tomas, who is, uh, that's Franz Rogowski, the lead. And they get into this relationship together uh, with really very little thought for his marriage, basically. So by the time we meet Martin, played by Ben Wishaw, we're sort of on his side automatically. But we also see that he's not happy and that he wants out and that he's sort of been looking elsewhere. And seeing those two things collide and them trying to reconcile that and then be friends but also have this tangential relationship that they are still sort of lovers in that way and it's all just very intimate and messy and something that I, I wouldn't understand in terms of dealing with exes in that way but I like that 
this sort of exists in a space where their lives are so intertwined that trying to remove one another or remove each other or remove themselves from that equation is much more difficult than simply flipping a switch. And I think that's what this movie does very well is it grapples with the idea of identity outside of a relationship and how much of your identity is linked to your partnership. It's a very interesting film and it's anchored by some excellent performances. So you can check it out. I think it's on Mubi right now uh, or you can rent it uh, on Prime. So then Monday rolled around and I felt like I needed to make sure that I saw a movie that I wanted to see before I lost the opportunity to see it. And that's The Book of Clarence, written and directed by Jameis Samuel, uh, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Omar Sy, Anna Diop, uh, and David Oyelowo. I mean, he's not in it a ton, but uh, R.J. Seiler is as well, and Caleb McLaughlin uh, also spend a good amount of time in the movie. But there's also James McAvoy and Benedict Cumberbatch, so a really solid cast. And I basically will watch anything Lakeith Stanfield's going to do. I went and saw Haunted Mansion just because he was the lead, so... I'm glad that he's finally having that sort of like breakout kind of year. He deserves it. He's one of the best actors I think we have working right now. And I want to see him get more opportunities like this. And well, this is obviously a film about a guy who's trying to get himself on the right track and he's working for a better life and he sees Jesus or the Messiah as a phony and he's an opportunist and he wants the life that he sees from Jesus and his group of disciples. So he sets off to become the new Messiah. And in that, he really is working to reconcile the difference between belief and faith. And I think that's what this movie is because as much as it is critical of Christianity and religion and the weaponizing of fables, it is also about this individual person's struggle to reconcile that for himself. And there's a line in the movie that gets echoed here and there that says belief is stronger than faith, I think or more important than faith, one of those two. And, you know, so there is this this pendulum between a character who is, I believe, rightfully critical of what he sees in terms of, like, religious weaponization. But at the same time, he is someone who has struggled to have faith in really anything because of his situation. So it is this tightrope and it's precarious but it also has a lot of fun doing what it's doing and it has a lot more flair in certain ways than I expected like 
if you told me this movie had a fight scene, I would not expect it to be a particularly like well choreographed one or anything like that. But it turns out that it was really well choreographed, and a lot of the creative decisions that went into this storytelling were decisions that I really liked. I could see that some people wouldn't. People walked out of the theater when I was there, I'm sure. Uh, They didn't feel like sticking around for the point where maybe they would have appreciated what was being done, but there's a lot of stuff that I really enjoy in this film, and I'm glad that I got a chance to see it. It's one that I think I'm going to want to revisit again later, but I probably won't get a chance while it's in theaters, so... I just have to keep my eye out for this one when it finally gets its distribution deal because I think that's when a lot of people will really be able to sink their teeth into it. And while that was a 2024 movie and one that I was looking forward to very much so early in the year, I was still working on 2023 films and one of those that I had not quite gotten to yet was the Super Mario Brothers movie. And like many people around my age we grew up with Nintendo and with Mario and with Donkey Kong and a lot of the things that we see in this film and you know I wasn't really super interested in it when it came out and I felt much more like I owed it to myself to watch this to complete the picture of animated films from this year rather than because I really wanted to watch it but I know this movie ended up making a ton of money at the box office and So when I look back at this and I see that, you know, it grossed over a billion dollars worldwide on a hundred million dollar budget, I'm like, okay, it was obviously successful. People liked it for a reason. I feel like I should check it out just for the sake of due diligence. And after watching it, I was like, how did this movie gross a billion dollars? I mean, it is a good visual representation of this fantasy world that exists. I think if you're a Nintendo fan, you get a lot of Easter eggs and a lot of like inside jokes for fans of stuff like Donkey Kong and Mario Kart and the Super Mario Brothers games and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's accessible in that way. But this is definitely a movie that is for kids and a lot of successful animated kids films go on to make a lot of money because of rewatchability and unfortunately for me I just found this movie to be incredibly boring I I don't know exactly what it was other than you know because I played Mario like you kind of know what the end and the story is gonna be like Mario's trying to save the princess obviously Bowser's not gonna win in the end sorry if I'm spoiling anything and none of the characters are really super compelling so aside from the movie like looking really good and having fun looking the way that it does I mean to me this is not even on par with the animated Super Mario Brothers TV show that existed and it doesn't take anywhere near the creative chances that a live action Mario did back in I think 93 with you know Bob Hoskins and uh, Hopper and uh, John Leguizamo. So to me, this is like, okay, I, I get why people like it because it's it's colorful and it's not serious. It's only 92 minutes and you can just throw it on and let the kids have fun with it kind of a thing. But as someone who was kind of like hopeful that it was more than that, I really didn't get anything other than 
what I expected, which was the reasons why I held off on watching it in the first place. You know, I'd probably be in the minority with this, but I feel like the Sonic the Hedgehog live-action adaptation that came out, not so much the second one, but at least the first one for sure, and the second one wasn't even bad either, but I feel like those are better representations of what I would want out of a video game adaptation. And granted, those are not animated films that are trying to exist in the world of Sonic in that way, but bang for buckwise, I feel like I would much rather watch those again. And the last thing I got to watch before I had to leave town for work was Self-Reliance, which is directed and written and starring Jake Johnson. So this was a a Hulu original. It had a one-day special engagement release last week before the weekend hit. So I didn't get a chance to go to the theaters and see it, but I knew that it was out and I was looking for something that I could, you know, throw on and get to without having to necessarily check one of these boxes of films that I'm still trying to work on from 2023 that, you know, are two plus hours long. So this being an hour, 25 minutes is like super in my wheelhouse for the kind of stuff I'm looking for at nine o'clock at night on a weekday. And honestly, it didn't uh, disappoint. It is a story about this guy who sort of is down on his luck. He's been, you know, very negative about himself since uh, a big breakup that had been a very long relationship. And he gets the opportunity to participate in a dark web reality game show where he's hunted by just, I don't know, random people, I guess. And if he wins, he gets money not like super I mean it's a million dollars so it is like life-changing money for him of course but I won't get into the details of the money stuff but it's it's not so much about the hunt right this isn't like uh what is it called the fiercest game it's not really so much about like the hunting of this person as it is him learning to embrace his life knowing that it may not be be there much longer but at the end of the day this is a comedy much more than it's a thriller uh it stars also as well anna kendrick and andy samberg uh and emily hampshire mary holland you know really good supporting cast around him and i like the idea of this movie a lot you know the idea that this guy is gonna be hunted and thought crazy because He's participating in this dark web thing that nobody else knows about, and he's sort of pitted against his family because they think he's nuts, and he's, you know, very much into the idea of doing this, and he's convinced that he can win, and that push and pull just lets you know that, like, his family isn't really, like, on his side. They're not willing to listen to him and entertain this idea as truth, so it lets you know more about the character in that way, and... Jake Johnson gives a really good performance. Andy Samberg is fun in it. Anna Kendrick is good in this as well. And this is a fun movie. Uh, I think I was explaining it to a friend and he asked me how it was. And I was like, it's good. I liked it. Uh, And I think the reason I landed on that instead of like, oh, hey, I love this movie is because I think it, while it's good and it is fun, I think that's maybe all that it is. 
it, it introduces some interesting themes, some interesting personal stuff that I feel like the potential for this movie uh, is significantly more than what we get. But also, I don't know that that's a movie that people want to see in that way like there's a lot of emotional heavy lifting that just doesn't get done here it gets touched on it gets introduced and it's interesting stuff but it sort of pulls back from that quickly to get back to the sort of like zany comedy that it is and it's interesting and talking to people from the film club is we just talked about a movie that I'm going to talk about in a second that does kind of the opposite of that. But I think Self-Reliance is a good watch. I think it's a good vehicle for Jake Johnson to really showcase his skill as a performer, as a filmmaker. And this is, you know, he directed an episode of New Girl. So this is his debut here uh, as a director. And, you know, he's he's written some things as well. Uh, so he, he wrote uh, Win It All, Ride the Eagle, Digging for Fire. So this is the first time that it's been written, directed, starring. And I always love those projects because they are big time passion projects. And maybe if he wasn't directing this and got to star in it and write it. So he like really knows the character. It's like, I don't know. I just feel like this movie was good, but didn't quite reach the the heights that it could have. And I don't want that to come across as really like a knock on the movie because I don't know how hard it's trying to reach those heights. Because like I said, it seems like it stays within the realm of it being fun and quirky and zany, more so than it really wants to get into the, the darkest elements of the story that are the most interesting. But that being said, it's on Hulu. You can check it out. You can tell me I'm wrong if you want. That's totally fine. I hope you do like it. I hope Jake Johnson gets to direct and write and star in more movies that are his because I want to support that kind of creative energy. And then last but not least, we're talking about Kajillionaire from 2020. And this is a movie that was a film club movie. And since we're doing the 2020s, I feel like it's new enough and unseen enough where I wanted to talk about it. This is written and directed by Miranda July, uh, starring Richard Jenkins, Evan Rachel Wood, Deborah Winger, and Gina Rodriguez. And this is a crime drama comedy, but it's, a, it's really about family and about parenting. And this particular young woman, uh, her life sort of turns inside out when her criminal parents i mean i don't know they're really bad criminals but they're they're con men you know and she has to deal with the realization of their lack of parenting as a new person a normal person is introduced into their life and i think in talking about this film especially having just mentioned what i did about self-reliance like this is a film that starts as this like quirky in the crime comedy about this family that is you know robbing a post office and they have a p.o box where evan rachel wood like does parkour at the entrance like avoiding camera detection although i don't think she's actually avoiding anything and she's you know they open a p.o box and she's like randomly stealing things from other p.o boxes that she can get her hands on and it's like, well, maybe they get a money order for $20 kind of thing. And so they need to come up with this big heist in order to come up with rent to stay in this place that they're living. And you think that's going to be the story, that it's going to exist as that. And then Gina Rodriguez gets introduced and she's basically the everyday person. She's us in this equation where we're watching 
thinking, hey, these people are really weird. This isn't a good life. They're not good parents. They're not providing any kind of worthwhile existence for their daughter. And then the movie like begins to pivot into this other thing. I mean, a lot of the clues are there very early on, which, you know, is a testament to July as a filmmaker, but the sort of the more guided approach to the story begins once Gene Rodriguez is there and she's able to basically highlight the deficiencies in these people uh, as people and as parents. And like she is sort of enraptured with their behavior and their zaniness as well too at first but the more that she sees the relationship to the daughter and the more the daughter sees the relationship that this new person has to her parents you know all these things start spiraling to the point where things are going to come to a head and you know I don't really want to like spoil this movie for people that haven't seen it but I think you get really exceptional filmmaking and storytelling from Miranda July here and I think you get some really kind of quirky but very dialed in performances from the cast here because Evan Rachel Wood is a very particular style of character in this that is emotionally underdeveloped. Her social skills are very underdeveloped. And then you have her parents and Deborah Winger and Richard Jenkins playing these people that like they seem kind of cool and interesting that they want to live off the grid and they don't want to like pay taxes and they kind of you know they just want to exist like in the in-between and like they don't want to be like homeless people but they don't want to like work a nine-to-five job either and that's a tough place for them to navigate as parents but you see that their relationship to their daughter is very particular and not necessarily healthy and you even get uh, some interesting roles here from Divine Joy Randolph, who is not a central part of this, but to see that, you know, this was 2020 and she is up, well, I don't think they've been released yet, but she's most likely going to get nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. And to see what this movie does and how it does it, I think is very impressive because when I talked about self-reliance, I think that movie has the opportunity to turn the corner and to do some interesting things that aren't getting done. Like I said, it brings up some heavy subject matter. There's some emotional weight and gravity in that film that rather than really dive into that, it pivots back to being a zanier kind of weird comedy. And in this case, I think this movie doesn't do that. It bucks the trend. And it makes you think it's going to be this zany, quirky comedy with these weird characters. But ultimately, it pivots and it becomes much more of this rumination on family, parenting, destiny, purpose of life type of stuff. And I think that's uh, a much more interesting approach. And even if it like even if you were to watch this and say like it fails at the thing it's trying to do which I don't think it does by the way I think it succeeds but like just looking at the sort of like scores and user reviews it's got a good meta score but its user score is lower than that so the average person is looking at this like they probably just wanted that offbeat indie comedy and then this decides to go in the direction of being challenging and taking on some of those bigger themes and so even if you were to say that it fails at taking those things on, 
I still give it a lot of credit for actually trying to take those things on. And I think the more people that watch it, the more that this kind of movie will get recognition. And I think it's only Miranda July's third film. And I'm hoping that she gets bigger opportunities beyond this in the future because I think there's a lot of beauty in this film that is really adeptly handled and I want to see more of that so I'm gonna have to check out more of her work as well and I think that's pretty much it I did watch Copland for an upcoming episode I'm recording of Movies for Days with my friend Jeff Newman, the host, and I'm going to be recording that actually about 45 minutes from right now, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about Copland now since I'm about to record an episode on it, but I think that is a time capsule kind of film from 97. Uh, It's another one of the movies from 97 where I feel like if I had to pick my favorite year of movies, it would probably be that year because there's a lot of movies that like informed my taste in film beyond that year and for the rest of my life. So if you haven't seen Copland, definitely check that out and then tune in to Movies for Days. I don't know, maybe in about a week. If you're listening to this, I'll make sure that I share something in the show, the, the share it in the socials. I will share some information of where you can find that Movies for Days episode on my social media accounts. Maybe I'll circle back and I'll put it in the show notes for this episode once it is finished. Not this one. Once we finish recording the Movies for Days episode and that gets posted and I have a link for it, I will, in fact, put that link in the show notes here so you can check that out as well. Thank you for uh, taking... 25 30 minutes to hang out with me and see what's on deck i think you know pretty soon i will be out of the woods in terms of the 2023 stuff that i needed to check off and then we can start being a little bit more proactive a little more forward looking and i can start pairing this more with the release radar and we'll look at movies that are both current and upcoming and we'll begin to sort of make that shift here in the next uh, few weeks or so but If you're listening to this, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope you found something that you're interested in by listening to this. And if not, I'm sorry. And hopefully you'll come back again anyway. And if you want to tell me the kind of movies that you want me to take a look at from the last couple of years, if I haven't mentioned it, then I think that's maybe a good thing too. So I'll put all my contact information up in the show notes and here at the outro. So if you're interested, you can reach out to me. But thank you so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode, and please remember that the opinions expressed on this show are just that. If you like what you heard, I still believe word of mouth is the best way to help, so please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and rating the show help out a lot, too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at thescheist.com or at scheistpodcast on Twitter. And as usual, be well, stay safe, and have fun no matter how you get your movies. Bye.